So we've been doing this series this last few weeks called If. So everybody say if. And we've been talking about this little bitty word. And yet in these two little letters of this little tiny word, there is just incredible potential and amazing power. In fact, what we have learned in this series is this, is that the reason that if is so powerful is because if always leads to then. So everybody say that today. If always leads to then. And this is, this is a principle in so many ways in our life. And it's especially a spiritual principle principle that there are so many things in the word of God, so many promises of God that God says, if you will do this, then this is what I will do. That almost every promise that you see in the scripture has a condition. If you will, then I will. And so in this series, we've been looking at some of these promises from God and we've just been trying to build your faith. Everybody say, build your faith. Just try to build your faith and just let this be a time in your life, a season in your life that God begins to stir something new in you. Because honestly, there are times in life when we just need that. How many know what I'm saying? Like, especially this time of year after we just come out of the summertime and we're getting ready to start back into the school year. And sometimes during the summer we travel and we got vacations and all kinds of stuff. And it's easy to kind of lose focus on relationship with God. So in this series, what we're doing is we're challenging you. And we are just trying to build your faith as we are looking at some of the if promises of God. And we began the first week by looking at the if promises found in Romans chapter 8. If you know it, say it aloud with me. It goes like this. If God is for us, then who can be against us? And man, we just told you that God is for you. In fact, how many believe God is for you? Come on, raise your hand. Now take your hand, put it over your heart and say, God is for me. God is for you. And if God really is for you, if that is true, then it doesn't matter what has happened in your life. It doesn't matter who comes against you, what problems you face, what circumstances you have, that nothing and no one can stand against you. And we said, if God is for us, there are a few things that we ought to do in our life. The first one is that we ought to dream big. We challenge you to just begin dreaming God's dream for your life, believing God for big things in your life. We challenged you to write it down on the little if cards that we have and put it at on the if wall that you see out there in the lobby. If you haven't done that already, I, I challenge you, go out there today, grab one of the cards, begin to write on there some of the things you're believing God for. And we are praying for those because here's what we said. We said, if God is for us and we're going to dream big and then we're going we're gonna to pray hard. Everybody say, pray hard pray hard that those big dreams actually force us to really have to have to get on our knees and depend upon God. And we've set aside every Sunday night during this month to just come in and focusing on God, spending some time in prayer. We're going to do it again tonight from five o'clock to six o'clock. I challenge every one of you to be here for that because if God is for us, then nothing and no one can stand against us. Then last week we talked about the promise from God in second Chronicles seven and 14. It says that if as God's people, we will humble ourselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from our wickedness. Then God says he will hear from heaven and he will heal our land. Now today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at, I believe, one of the most unbelievable promises of God. It's found in Mark chapter nine. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you go ahead and turn with me to Mark chapter nine. Also, it's going to be in your LifeGate app and in your notes today. We're going to read in verse number 14, and everyone follow along and read together as we look at this incredible story. In verse number 14, 
When they returned to the disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some of the teachers of religious law were arguing with them. And when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran to greet him. What is all of this arguing about, Jesus asked. And one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so that you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Now I want to stop right there and I want you to just kind of put yourself in the shoes of this dad. All right. How many parents do we have here today? Parents, moms, dads, just imagine where this dad is at. Like imagine you see your son who for since the time he was just small is struggling with this thing. Can you imagine that what, what this guy must have felt he would try anything and everything to find healing for his son his son who is possessed by a demon and yet even though his son is possessed by a demon I think that the man in the story also had some demons that he was struggling with in his own life in fact we will see it as we continue to read in verse number 21 look what it says How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. And he replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us. And then notice these words. Everybody say them aloud. If you can. Verse 23. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked for anything is possible. Look at this word. If a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Now I want you to notice in just, I mean, just in about three verses there, how many times we see this word if. In fact, I think in this little word, we actually kind of capture the heart of the situation. The father comes to Jesus and he goes, man, somebody's got to do something for my son. And he says, Jesus, if you can do something, please do it. And here's the, here's the, the deal. The father is dealing with his own demons, the demon of doubts. How many have ever experienced doubt before in your life, right? Like, it's like you have these, you have these questions in your mind, these ifs that kind of come to mind. Maybe some of you are here today and that's the situation that you're in. You're going, you know, I want to believe in God and I want to believe that he has the best for me. And I want to believe that God can do all things and that all things are possible and all of that. But there's all these ifs in your mind, like, God, if you are really, if you are really good, then why did you allow this to happen? happen in my life. And God, if you are, if you are really there, then why don't I feel you sometimes in my life? And God, you know, if if you are really real, then why is it that sometimes I have these questions and these doubts in my mind? And here's where this, here's where this dad is. It's like, he goes, man, I want to believe. And yet there's, there's all of this struggle with doubt that I find this unbelief that sometimes crops into my mind and my heart's. Jesus answers the man with basically the promise that we are studying today. He says, anything is possible if a person 
believes. Incredible that anything, nothing would be impossible, that anything is possible. And yet, even in that promise is the struggle and the problem that so many of us face sometimes. That yes, okay, I do believe that anything is possible, but the problem is it's if I believe. And sometimes I believe, but sometimes I don't. How many know what I'm saying? Like I come to church and I try to be the good Christian and I try to be a person of faith and I write my thing and I put it on the wall and I pray and I believe God and all of this. And there's this like, I do want to believe, but then there's this, like, there's this struggle inside with all of these ifs and all of this doubt and all of these, this unbelief. And there's these things that happen in life that I can't seem to rectify that if God is good, then why does this happen? And if God loves me, then why does he let me face this? And if God is there, why? I don't I feel him and all of these ifs that sometimes bring us to that place of doubt am I the only one or are y'all feeling this like there, there's this doubt that we feel and you go why like like I'm a good Christian I go to church I read my Bible. I do the stuff that I'm supposed to do. Why? As a, as a God-centered follower of Jesus Christ, why do I struggle sometimes with doubt? If anything is possible, if I believe, then what is it, is, is it with all this unbelief that I face in my life? And I want to look at it for a second. I want to look at this, this story of this dad. And I want to notice really just quickly three things that can sometimes cause us to face doubt, can cause us to have some unbelief. And then we want to look at what do we do about the doubt. So if you got your, if you got your uh, notes, why don't you write these three things down? The first one is this. I think sometimes we, we have doubts in our mind, in our hearts, because of personal preference. I don't know about you, but how many of you have ever experienced that God didn't do things the way you preferred he would do it? Come on, right? Like, and you know what happens is when you expected God to do something a certain way or you wanted God to do something a certain way and then he doesn't do it that way. You know what? Sometimes the result of that is doubt. Like, God, I wanted you to do this and you didn't do it. And God, are you really there? Are you really good? Are you really powerful? Can you really do it? In fact, I think this is what was happening with this man. I mean, put yourself in his shoes for just a minute. Just imagine, okay? I'm sure he's going, you know, God, if I was God, I wouldn't be doing it the way you did it. Like, if I was God, I would have not let this happen to my kid, right? And even if this did happen to my kid, I wouldn't have let it keep happening for all of these years since he was just a little a little boy. God, you're not doing it right. Come on, anybody ever said that to God before? God, you're not doing it right. And here's what happens. It brings, it brings doubt in our minds when God doesn't do things the way we preferred that he would do them. How does this play out in some of our lives? Like maybe some of you are here today and maybe you've been in church all your life. Like you grew up in Sunday school and you heard the stories and maybe, you know, a Sunday school teacher told you, you know, if you just pray and read your Bible and go to church and give them the offering and be a good person, then everything's going to work out good in your life. And so you believe that and you go, man, I'm a good person. And you go to church and you read your Bible and you give in the offering, you do all this stuff. And then one day you wake up and you're facing a trial or a struggle, or you find yourself just barely able to get out of bed because depression has hit you. And you're going, God, is this really what it means to everything work out if I do all the right stuff? Come on. How many know what I'm saying? 
Some of you, maybe this is, this is you, like you just, I mean, the dream of your life, you wrote it on the wall. The dream of your life is one day get married. In fact, it started when you were just a little kid, like you would pretend like it was your, you know, it was your wedding. You get dressed up and the whole thing and you dream of having that perfect person that's gonna, gonna walk down the aisle and sweep you off your feet. And one day I'm gonna get married. And so you're 18 and you're not married and that's okay because I know God's gonna bring me my Prince Charming. And so then you're 20 and you're not married and you're going, well, I'm kind of a couple of years behind what I was thinking, but it's going to be okay. And God's going to bring them. And then you're 25 and you're not married and all your friends are getting married and you're always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Come on. And then you're 30 and you're not married. And then you're going, oh my goodness, like I'm going to be an old maid. Then you're 35 and you're not married and you're going, God, this is not the way I wanted it to work out. Come on. Where are you, God? Like some of you, you know, the dream of your life is to have that perfect, godly Christian marriage and you get married and you recognize that there is no such thing as a perfect, godly Christian marriage. And you're like, God, I mean, where are you in this? This is not the way I thought you would do things. Some of you, like the dream of your life is to have, is to have children. And that's all you've ever wanted with your life. And so you, you try and you try and you try. And that's the good part. I'm just saying that's the good part. Some of you are like, you shouldn't be saying that. Well, I know it is. I got three kids of my own. It is the good part. But after you try and you try and you try and you try, even that part of it's not so good anymore because you're like, man, what is happening? I don't understand. You go and then you got to go through all the fertility and all the different stuff. And you're going, God, where are you in the middle of this? Like, God, why aren't you doing things the way I wanted you to do them? Why aren't things working out the way I want it? I pray and I pray and I pray for my, for my lost loved one that doesn't know you. And it seems like the more I pray, the further away they get from you. And God, I prayed for my, for my grandma who was sick and she didn't get better she got worse and God you're not doing it right and sometimes man this can cause some doubt and some unbelief in our lives number two write this one down sometimes we face doubt because of previous experience sometimes the struggle comes with hey I tried that before and it didn't work in fact some of you that's what you're doing right now you're pushing back and as we've been in this series even as we've been trying to build your faith and ask you to believe for things that are greater you're going but yeah you know what I believe for that stuff before that didn't work pastor in fact this is kind of what we see happen with with the guy in the story in verse number 18 look what he says he says but I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit and they couldn't do it can you imagine as he's going, you know, he comes to Jesus and going, if you can, and Jesus is going, if I can, and he's going, but you know what? They couldn't. Like I tried that before, like pastor, come on. Like I wrote stuff on the wall last time we did a series like this and nothing happened. I prayed last time. I came to the front last time. I got into a life group and you said it was going to change your life. It didn't change my life. I, I gave in the offering and you said it was going to be blessed and then I wasn't blessed. And I tried that before and my previous experience is actually causing me to have doubt in my current circumstance. Come on, anybody ever been there? Number three, write this one down. A pre- the prevailing influences. Here's the deal is sometimes, sometimes doubt can actually be brought about in our minds and in our hearts by the people around us. 
This is what we see in this story. Look what it says in verse 14. It says, And when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding him, and some of the teachers of the religious law were arguing with him. Now, I don't know what they were arguing with this man about, but I think that maybe we could even assume or kind of read into this that maybe they were actually arguing with the man saying, Don't go to Jesus because that ain't going to help. It ain't going to do anything. You know, here's the deal is that this is what happens so many times in our life. We come to, we come to a service like this or a series like this or a season like this in our church and we get, we leave church and we're excited and we're like, I'm going to trust God for big stuff and I'm going to believe God and our faith is raised. And then we go home and people that are close to us, maybe even sometimes our own family says, why are you putting that on the wall? Why are you believing for that? That ain't going to happen. Come on. Anybody ever been there? And you got to be, I mean, you got to be honest. You look around in the world and we're not, we don't exactly live in a faith-filled culture. There's a ton of skepticism and a ton of cynicism and a ton of negativity in the world around us. And so sometimes it's like I get excited about what God wants to do and my faith is built on Sunday. And then I go to my friends at work on Monday and they tear everything down that I built my faith for. Or I believe God's going to do something great in my marriage. And then I go home and my own wife says, that ain't going to happen. Or I believe that God's going to give us, going to give us children and, and we're believing for that promise. Then we go to the doctor and the doctor says, that's not going to happen for you. And here's the deal is that sometimes it's the influences of the world and the people around us that can cause us to doubt. And we find ourselves just like this man was in the story. God, I believe, but then there's this other thing, this unbelief over here. And we got to just do like the man did. We got to go help. Everybody say Help. God, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. And that's what, that's what I want to do today for the, next, the rest of this message. I just want to try to help you. Like, I believe that's kind of what my job is as a pastor, is to help us that, yes, to build our faith, but also to help us with our doubts. And so I just want to just look at, it, at this guy and see what he did when he doubted. And maybe it will help you with some of the doubts that you face and struggle in your own life as well. In fact, there are just two things. Write them down. The first one is this, is that if you need help with your, with your doubts, well, what do you do with your doubts? The first thing is this. You just got to admit it. Everybody say admit it. Admit your doubts. Just be honest. It's okay, I think, to be honest. I mean, in this story with this guy... It would be really easy, like point the finger and go, you doubted and you didn't have faith and oh, you of little faith. But you know what? You know what I like about this guy? At least he was honest. And you, I mean, think about who he was honest to. I mean, it's Jesus, right? So he comes to Jesus and goes, Jesus, if you can do something. And Jesus is like, if I can, I mean, who are you talking to here? You know? And it would have been really easy for the guy to be like, oh, that's right. I forgot I'm talking to Jesus. Let me put on a, a happy face. Let me put on my mask here and pretend that I'm man, God's man of faith and power for the hour. You know, no, but that's not what he did. What did he do? Even to Jesus, even with Jesus, he was honest. Yeah, you know, God, I do believe, but also there's like, there's this doubt. There's some things that I'm not sure about. There are a whole lot of ifs and he was honest about it man i just think that god loves it when we're honest in fact you study jesus and you will see that jesus didn't condemn people who doubted he didn't condemn people who had had less faith if they were just honest about it in fact the people that he actually did condemn were the ones that tried to fake it 
The Pharisees who would put on their robes and put on, pray these big prayers and try to act like they had it all together. Those are the ones that were condemned. But the people who came to Jesus with just an honest faith, who came to Jesus with just, you know, hey, I got, I got some faith, but I also got some doubts that Jesus was able to give them mercy and grace. He had patience with them because here's the deal is God would a whole lot rather have a bunch of people who are who doubt and are honest about it than people people who are fake in their faith. You know, we've all seen the fakers, you know what I'm saying? We've all done it before, right? I mean, it's like trying to get to church. And even though it's the, the late, late service, we're like trying to get the kids and you yelled at your spouse and you're in a fight and you're in the car and you're going, nah, 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 and the kids are in the back and you're like, shut up back there. We're trying to get to church. And you know, you get to the roundabout and somebody cuts you off and you give them the one, fully, one finger salute. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, you pull into the parking lot and you're like, yeah, and then you drive in and then you get out your car and you come up and the greeter's like, how are you doing today? And you're like, oh brother, I'm doing so good. Praise the Lord. Everything's great. How many know what I'm saying? Like as Christians, we are great at faking it. Fake it till you make it. But you know what? When it comes to doubt, you don't fake it till you make it. You know how you, you know how you deal with your doubt? You, you express it honestly. You admit it. Hey, you know what? I'm trying to have faith, but I also got some doubts over here, some things that I'm not sure about, some things that I don't know about. You go, well, pastor, that's not the way I was raised. That's not, that's just not the way you do it, you know, or whatever. Well, you read the Psalms. That's the way you do it. In fact, you look at David, a man who was known as being a man after God's own hearts. And yet you read some of the things that he wrote. He expressed a lot of doubts, a lot of fears, a lot of frustrations, sometimes even like you read him sometimes and he was like angry at God. And yet God called that guy who was angry with him and questioned him a man after his own heart. Let me just tell you something. God's not afraid of your questions. He's, he's so big that, you know what? Your questions don't scare him. He's not, he's not worried about your doubt. You can express it honestly to him and to others. In fact, that's what we're about here at LifeGate Church, being a place that, it, that it's genuine. We can be real with one another, and we don't come in and put on a fake smile and act like everything is good when things aren't good. In fact, some of you today, this is what you need to hear, is that you need to get into a community of fellowship of people who you can honestly express your struggles and your doubt with. In a few weeks when life groups start, you need to get into a life group. That's what it's for. So you can go and go, man, guys, I'm trying to have faith, but I got questions over here. Help me with this. You need to get in a men's group or a women's group, a place where you can honestly admit to God and others. This is what I'm struggling with. You got to admit it. Everybody say admit it. Number two, write this one down, man. This is so good. Not only we're going to admit our doubts, but we're going to act on the faith that we have. See, even when our faith is not great, we can still do something with a little bit of faith that we have. Look, look at our story. It would be easy to condemn this guy, but you know what? At least he did something with the little bit of faith that he had. Like at least he may have had doubts, but at least he had enough faith to go find Jesus. He may have had doubts, but at least he had enough faith to speak up and say, Jesus, something's happening with my son. He had enough faith to risk all of that in front of this large crowd that Jesus may not have done something. And at least he did something with the faith that he had. And here's the deal. Some of you come in and you go, man, I don't have very much faith. Well, you know what? It doesn't take a lot. All it takes is a little. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, if you just have faith the size of a mustard seed, Anybody ever seen a mustard seed before? 
Now, big, it's tiny. It's not big, but Jesus says, that's all the faith you need if you take it and do something with it. In fact, James said it like this. He says, faith without works, faith without deeds, faith without, one translation says, without action is dead. James says, you don't have to have huge faith. You just have to act on the little bit of faith that you have. And when you do, like Jesus didn't condemn the man, like, man, good try. You know, you need to have more faith next time. No, no, no. Jesus commended him for the faith that he had. And here's the thing is some of us, man, we're, we're waiting until we got this huge faith to believe God for something. And God goes, just start with what you got. See, some of us are waiting until, until we can see the end result before we will step out into what God has for us. It reminds me of the African impala. Have you ever seen an impala before? Maybe at the zoo. And, you know, the African impala, incredible animal with unbelievable agility and athletic ability. In fact, an African impala can actually jump 10 feet off the ground. Amazing. It can actually jump 30 feet in length. It's just incredible what this animal can do. And yet this incredible animal that can jump so high and so far can actually be kept in captivity in a zoo by nothing more than a three foot high wall. You go, wow, like how do they keep it in there by just that little three foot wall if he can jump so high and so far? And the reason is, is that an African impala will not jump unless he can see where his feet are going to land. And they can keep him in a cage, this incredible animal, because he won't jump unless he can see where he's going to land. And you know what? A lot of Christians, that's exactly what keeps us in a cage. That's exactly what keeps us from experiencing the unbelievable, the impossible things that God wants to do through us is that we won't, we won't take the step until we can see where our feet are going to land. But let me just tell you something here, guys. If you can see the outcome, it doesn't take faith. Faith is taking the step even when I can't see the outcome, even when I don't know where my feet are going to land, even when I don't know how it's going to happen, even though I believe, but then I got this unbelief. Faith is going, even in my unbelief, I'm going to step out. I may not have huge faith, but I'm going to act on the little bit of faith that I have. And some of you, you know, you don't have, you don't have enough faith to step out in these huge things. Just step out in the little bit of faith that you got. Well, Pastor, I, man, I don't know if I can do tithing and 10%. All I got faith for is 2%. Well, start there and then move to 3% and 4% and 5%. Well, Pastor, like my marriage is struggling. I don't know if I have the faith to like ask my spouse to pray with me. All I got is the faith to pray for my spouse. Well, start right there. All I got is just faith to barely even get a piece of paper and write it on there and put it on the wall. I don't know if I even have faith to believe that it's really going to happen, but I can take that step. I don't, I don't know if I have enough faith, but I can at least come to a prayer service and maybe, maybe God will begin to grow my faith. Just act on the faith that you have and get to that place where you go, God, I believe, but even when I don't believe, I'm going to act on the faith that I already have. It reminds me of these three guys in the Old Testament in the book of Daniel. Three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat. Remember those guys? <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You may remember this story. King Nebuchadnezzar, an evil king, said, I'm going to build a statue. And whenever the music begins to play, everyone is going to bow down. And if you don't bow down, I'm going to take you and I'm going to throw you into, into a blazing, hot, fiery 
furnace. And so the music plays Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They don't bow down. And I want you to see, see what they say here in Daniel chapter 3 and verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't even need to defend ourselves before you. For if you throw us into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us and he will rescue us from your power and your, your majesty. Verse number 18, but notice this, but even what? Even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your God or worship the gold statue that has been set up before us. Here's Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. Here's what I'm talking, the kind of faith that I'm talking about that they say, Oh, you know what? We believe that God will deliver us from the situation. But even if he doesn't, we're still going to believe. And some of you, that's exactly what you need to hear today. That, hey, you've got this. I mean, I'm trying to believe God for this thing. But then there's this doubt over here. Like, what if it goes bad? Or what if it doesn't happen? Or what if things don't work out? And here's where you've got to get to the place that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were at. I believe, God, that you're going to do it. But even if you don't do it, I'm still going to believe. I believe, God, that you're going to heal my marriage. But even if you don't, I'm still going to believe that you're a good God and that you're working things for my good. God, I believe believe you're going to do something in my finances, but even if you don't, I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to believe you. God, I believe that you're going to bring us a child. That's the dream of our heart. But even if you don't, I'm still going to stand with you and trust you. God, I believe you're going to do it. But even if you don't, I still know that you are God and you are good and you are working for my good. So even if you don't, I will still believe. And that's where some of you are today. And you, you hear a message like this, a series like this, and you're going, I want to believe, but there are all these ifs in my heart and ifs in my mind. What do I do? And here's the deal. You look at the man in the story. What if this man would have allowed his doubts to overcome his faith? His son's life would have never been changed. His son would have never been healed. Some of you are here today in your doubts or overshadowing the faith that you have. And here's, the, here's what's at risk. If you let your doubt keep you from believing in faith and stepping in faith, then you will miss out on the incredible that God has for your life. Your life is at stake. Others' lives are at stake today. And you go, but I don't have big faith. All it takes is a little. Just admit, hey, I, you know, I've got some questions. I got some things. I'm not sure about this. But I'm, I'm going to step out on the little bit of faith that I have. I'm going to trust God even if he doesn't.